0: I'm Quinn Murphy, and this is In My Chair. Janine LaBelle is a celebrated makeup artist and founder of Stila Cosmetics. Stila was first to market with recycled packaging, the use of illustrations, and girl power culture. As one of the first indie makeup brands, the company had unprecedented growth, resulting in a bidding war among industry giants and ultimate sale to Estee Lauder. Janine was then recruited as creative director to revamp the Kevin O'Quam beauty line. She's still very much a fixture on campaign and editorial photo shoots, in addition to working with an impressive roster of celebrity clients for the red carpet events. She's worked with many renowned actors like Natalie Portman, as well as Michelle Williams, Kate Blanchett, among others. Most recently, LaBelle launched Neen, a new makeup subscription line that we will get into later on the episode. Janine, welcome in my chair.
1: Thank you so much. Oh my God, I, I, I literally turned like, Thirteen shades of red when you <laughs> read that because I find it so embarrassing, but I guess I have had a kind of significant uh, life. That's for sure. You know, there's
0: two kinds of people. There are people who like as soon as you get a compliment, or like myself, to you feel like, oh god, just stop. And then there's the people who relish in the trophies and awards and hearing about their bio.
1: Yeah, I think it'd be easier to be that person. You know, I grew up in Sweden and you know and it, it was a socialist country and it was very like spartan right so like bragging about yourself or self complimenting yourself in any way was like super looked down on so i still have that like you know to talk about my accomplishments or whatever is like wrong and embarrassing
0: mm-hmm. so are uh, you supposed to be self deprecating or just not self promoting no
1: not like nothing Nothing. Oh. <laughs> oh, thank you. Like, like, very like, y'all, thank you very much. You know, like... Mm-hmm. You but Janina, you're
0: also American, right?
1: I, I'm an American citizen, but I was born and raised there. So for me, my home is Sweden. You know, I, I lived there for 13 years. And then I lived And neither
0: of your parents England were American France. who moved no, to, to Sweden.
1: They're they're from Queens, but they went to Europe in the 50s. and So they are uh, American. There. They're American. My dad still okay. lives in Europe. He's very... He's like a total expat. Uh, But yeah, so it was kind of like a weird, uh, like I spoke Swedish first. I used to refuse to speak English, you know, stuff like that.
0: But you grew up with English in your household because your parents were. Yes. You have no accent.
1: No, I used to, though. I used to. But I got, you know, I was so self-conscious of it. I I managed to get rid of it when I was. Do you feel very
0: self? uh, Do you feel very transatlantic?
1: I do. I think that's why I live in New York. It's like sort of the closest. It's where I feel most comfortable, you know, Uh, because it's kind of between L.A. and 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 Europe. So I do. I'm very like somewhere in the middle of the ocean is where I. But Janine, when did you move
0: to? Sorry, when did you move to um, New York? Because I thought you were L.A. based for so long.
1: No, I've been here for. Let me do the math. Like 19 years.
0: Oh. Well, I guess you founded Stila in L.A.
1: Yeah, and and after my time, you know, it's still an L.A.-based company, and yeah, I did. Uh, And I was there for, I was in L.A. for like 13 years, maybe? I'm not sure. I'm so bad at time. Uh, And actually, that was one of the reasons I wanted to get out of L.A., because I never knew if it, like did that happen last fall or summer? Cause you know, without the seat, you know, I felt like the seasons marked time for me.
0: Right. You it's know? just a lot of bright light and sun all year yeah, round.
1: Yeah. And a lot of driving.
0: Were you happy you raised your, your kids in New York?
1: I, I am. I mean, I think LA was great for little kids, but then when I started to imagine them as teenagers and having to get around in cars or be like me when I was a teenager, which was make friends with older kids so you can do shit. Um, <clears throat> you know, and I didn't want them hanging out at the mall. Like New York breeds, you know, they walk to school, you know, the they, teenagers, they like get on the train and they go and like have coffee downtown. It sort of fosters a, a kind of independence, you know, and self-reliance and confidence that I felt, uh, I wanted them to have. And like, you know, not that LA is culturally bereft in any way, but it's just all right here in your face, you know?
0: Right. And you have to, you have to deal with people more because you're not in your car Mm -hmm. to a destination. It's like, you're next to other people. So figuring out how to like, to coexist and, and, um, you know, navigate actual human beings. You were talking about like the NFT or NTF, whatever it is um, earlier. It's like New York is a, (laughs) is like actual being raised here. You have to be (coughs) hyper aware of others.
1: Yeah. And, and, and the exposures just constant. And, and I think that's actually healthy, you know,
0: what about the, like part of growing up in New York for a certain class of people that is like, You're not around normal kids who have, they have means that are, you know, beyond what you can ever imagine. They have Hamptons homes, they go on vacations and like get anything they want. Was that ever something that you thought about?
1: Oh, all the time. I mean, you know, uh, all the time because it was like, you know, I mean, my kids would go to like these bar mitzvahs that like, you know, they rented out Yankee Stadium, Nicki Minaj performed or- Wait, are you serious? Oh yeah, uh, you know, at the at the like Mandarin Oriental, you know, and it was you know, so in, you just got to kind of keep towing your own line in those situations and not be like, okay, you can have a Hervé leger dress. It was like, no, we just don't <laughs> do that, you know. And but not
0: and, because of the expense, but because we don't wear Hervé Legere. You can have a Liah, you know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know. Okay, Prada. No, yeah. I, I just didn't believe in like fostering those those uh, kind of values for my kids, you know? And Was and it hard like, for
0: them though, to be the, the, um, the poor little rich kids?
1: No, you know, they kind of had an advantage in that. Like I, you know, listen, like they were exposed to like beauty and fashion and, and cool people, you know, I, I mean, like, I'll never forget my son came home from school one year. Uh, it was like the year of, it was the Met Gala. And uh, I had, uh, Carly Closs, Kate Blanchett uh, and um, Sarah Burton, the Alexander McQueen designer, all in my apartment getting ready. Cause I live two blocks from the Met and Florence from Florence and the machine was sitting in the lobby waiting for Sarah and Kate uh, because she couldn't get in the elevator. Cause her dress was too big. And he came upstairs and like, mom, why is Florence in the lobby? I was like, she's waiting for, you know? So there was like enough kind of cool quote unquote yeah. stuff floating around. So like, I could be the strict mom because they had access to so much cool and fun stuff. Right. So, you know, I was lucky. Like it wasn't like I was toeing the line and then like just being super boring, you know, right. it was like, you know, it was, there was something else going on. So I think I had uh, an advantage there
0: for sure. Do you ever think that you were, that you've had, I'm going to say like great success that, that would be something that your kids felt like hard to live up to?
1: Well, it's interesting because, you know, like I didn't go to college, right? I did three years of high school. I did four years of high school in three years. I didn't go to college. You know, my kids all went to like one of the best smart kids schools and they all went uh, to college, right? Two are in college right now. And so I always kind of felt like I had to sort of fake my enthusiasm about where are you applying? Like where I was like, huh? You know? And um, so the truth is, you know, I'm very, 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 very close with my kids. And they're just basically like super proud of me. Wow. You know, and, and they don't really feel uh, pressured, like that they have to be something because I'm like, be whatever you want. Like, I got you, you know, we'll do it together. We'll figure it out, you know, and so I don't really, I mean, you'd really have to ask them and they could maybe dig deep on that. But generally speaking, they're just super proud of me.
0: Wow. And and yeah. you're super proud of them, I guess. All four yeah. of them. You have four well, kids.
1: Well, I, I have four bios and then I have uh, my extra, as I call her, who is older than them. Uh, she's 30 now, but I met her uh, when she was 12 and she lost her mom when she was 14 and she's had to move in with her dad and I did all the mom stuff and then she moved in with me after college. And she's, she's, she's like their siblings. She didn't call me mom, but nobody calls me mom in this family anyway. So, um, you know, I, Did you I, plan
0: on having four, ki- four five or five kids or did, yeah, that, how I wanted, did that happen?
1: I think that, um, I'm not very close to my own family. And so, you know, I, I wanted to make my own um, I always, and I was always at the kids table, you know, like <laughs> when I was like, even, like younger, you know, there'd be, I'd be somewhere and I'd always end up hanging. I love kids. Like I love, love kids. I have such a good time with them. So it was kind of, uh, natural for me to just, you know, and I'm not like, I hate being pregnant. I hate all that shit. Uh, but I love the little beings for sure.
0: But you had kids after you had, um, success and money.
1: No, it was actually at the same time. Like my son was a baby when I launched Stila. So I, you know, I actually had, I think I had like 10,000 in savings and I borrowed 10,000 from my dad. And, uh, and that's how I uh, started the whole thing. So they kind of happened at the same time.
0: I wonder what was going on in your chart at that time. You know, like kids, business, this, the thing that's so cool about Stila is that you launched that brand. And within five years, which probably went by really quickly, or maybe not, um, you sold it.
1: Yeah. It's, it, it, well, we also—it's also timing. I mean, it was definitely an unusual brand, but it was also at that time, like the big companies were all like, you know, uh, you know, Mac had been acquired, Bobby had been acquired, Benefit had been acquired nars was getting acquired like it was like that was how they showed growth and they were all kind of like vying for the top dogs, so to speak so it was also like and it's like that right now i mean the amount of acquisitions going on is like kind of off off the hook too um so i think it's a little you know i can sort of give that credit that it was just great timing as well
0: And what I think is interesting about the brand Stila at the time, you weren't YSL and glamorous. You weren't Chanel and super luxurious. How did you end up creating a brand that was so um, different from the status quo? Is that because of who you are? Was it because of that's what you could afford to do and then make up, you know, the money that you had on packaging or how did that come about? (laughs)
1: yeah it's definitely a little bit of a combination of all those things i think that i I like to tell people it's like i woke up at 28 years old and there was a whole other person living in my body that i didn't even know about that like you know was like whoa i understand this and i understand what people want i understand packaging and i understand formula holy shit i never knew that right but a lot of the packaging was um you know, at the time, it was like everybody went and got like that twist off kind of plastic circular component that Mac had originally started with. And then they made kind of their own bubbly sort of lid component. And it was like you get that component because that was low quantities. And, you you know, you'd be like, I want it in pink and hop, stamp my name on the lid. Right. And I was like, "Yeah, God, I don't want to do that. You know, um, so I was like, well, what can I make that doesn't require Tooling a mold, which is unaffordable. Um, and so I was like, huh, well, what about paper? And, you know, I went on a giant hunt for, uh, and I was like, well, if somebody can make mailing tubes, they should be able to make a circular lipstick tube or a compact. And I found this guy, Lou Stevens, and we made it together, you know? And it, it was like, what is the expression? Necess- necessity is the mother of all invention, right? Like, you know, it wasn't like, I don't want to be like everybody else and they all suck. You know, it was more like, no, nah, I, I feel better about doing recycled paper. And it wasn't even like I was on some eco soapbox or anything. I just was like, I want to do my part, right? Like, if you want to be like PC about everything, it's a nightmare. Like you can't, you know, you got to go live in a yurt somewhere, you know, but I think, you know, if we all do. Of a few things will put a huge dent in this situation we're in now, you know and and think about it like that was what twenty eight years ago we were doing eco friendly packaging without realizing it was a thing right. and You know, and even so, and even back then, like a lot of small brands had to like go and buy what's called private label, and you like kind of pick your colors off the shade, and you create a collection, and it's all pre-formulated.
0: You could make a whole brand in 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 a day, just going. Oh yeah, uh, like that. Put my name on it. Right. Yeah,
1: but I I like literally went to the lab and mixed all the pigments myself and worked with all the chemists because I liked it and I wanted to you know, do something I, that I, I didn't want to pretend that I had made something that I hadn't made. You know, Were you
0: doing it for the money?
1: Uh, no, not really. Like the money was just so far away at that point, you know, it was just a big risk at that point. Right. Um, I I always say to people, it's like somebody said to me, you want to go to Bakersfield? And I said, sure, I'll go to Bakersfield. And then I'm like, what the hell am I doing in Bakersfield? (laughs) You know? Right. It was like completely like As is I'm everyone else
0: a, in Bakersfield.
1: Yeah. Right. But like I just never it wasn't like, okay, year one, I'm gonna be like this, year two, I'm gonna be like I just followed I like it led me in a weird way. Uh and then because we were so innovative, all these like kind of packaging people would come to us and be like, Hey, we developed this packaging, you wanna use it? And we'd be like, sure. You know, so we, you know, a lot of it was just not having money and going to like paint stores and being like, well, what do they put stuff in? Oh, aluminum tubes. Cool. Let's try that. You know, it was just purely because we didn't have the money.
0: And you've always been resourceful.
1: I am a real scrapper. I'm a total scrapper. And like, I, you know, I, I will like, I will, I will find anything. Like you need something Quinn, I, I will find it for you. It's insane. I'm like such a good Googler now. And
0: you also, you don't take no for an answer.
1: Um, I take, I don't take no for an answer until I have that moment where I'm like, yeah, no, this isn't right. I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm being stubborn, you know, like I'm very, uh, you know, they all tease me. Cause they say I'm like the, the Romanian gypsy over here where I, I just know shit, you know, I know when something's right you know, I can take the personal out of things really easily, and just be objective about things. And I think that's actually a huge advantage because I don't. You know, it's like it doesn't have to be my idea; it has to just be the best idea. You, so know? Do you
0: that means you have a um a, a good a good self esteem.
1: I could, yes, I do, but I that's also something I fought for. You know, I didn't. You know. I didn't start out that way. You know, it was just really something in my twenties I really had to fight for. And I, I did, you know, I mean, we live in, you know, our business is so like, I mean, I have so many friends that do like hair or whatever, you know, and they, they work with some client forever. And, and then all of a sudden that client works with somebody else and they're out and they're just gutted, you know, and, or they don't get the job you've been on hold for and the day before you get canned, You know how it is. I and do. I just, I really never did that to myself. This is not about me. You know, this is this is what. But they how want. did you have it's that
0: perspective? Story. I mean, I'm like just learning that, like, in, in through the pandemic and everything. And I, I understand it cerebrally, but in the moment, it hurts. I. How did you? How did you get to to know that lesson in life so early?
1: I, I think it's you know it's like you know, rewiring your neural pathways, right? Like, it's just training your mind, you know, and when something happens, you know, it's sort of saying, ouch, that really fucking sucks. I wanted that one. And that's okay. Uh, you know, I tell all the young, you know, assistants and stuff, I'm always like, you didn't wake up bad at what you do today. You didn't wake up bad at what you do today. This is about something that has nothing to do with you, and it's okay. Like people are allowed to choose whatever they want to choose. You know, does
0: that mean that you got your needs met as a kid and somebody taught you these things?
1: Nobody taught me any. No, not even remotely. Um, quite the opposite. But you know, I you know, I, I had a lot of you know mental health issues as a teenager. And you know, crawled out of that hole. And you know, like I said, I really fought for myself. I mean, I have these diaries in my book where I'm in my closet, these books and books where I'm writing to myself, like you know, the negative messages, and then me responding to it, like speaking Mm -hmm. back. You know, like no, that's not true. No, that's not true. That's not so like cognitive
0: behavioral therapy.
1: Yeah, I did it before there was a word for it. What
0: word for it? Wow. (laughs)
1: Yeah. So you're like
0: you're like sagacious. Like you have this ability to um kind of see things and trust your intuition and change your ways of of thinking at a very young age.
1: Yeah, but I'm also like a real survivor, you know? So like if I'm gonna survive this, like what am I gonna do? Because I have an interesting combination of like a lot of trauma and being a survivor and then also but not being depressed, you know? So like my joy of being here in this moment helps me, you know, fight back, you know?
0: But, I, but do you think you would have had that perspective on life that's so valuable if you hadn't gone through the trauma? Uh,
1: I, I, I think the easy answer is uh, no, I wouldn't, but I don't know anything different.
0: You but you could I mean? have ended up fucked up. You could be the person on the under the freeway over. Yeah, but I was being... fucked up
1: for years. I was super fucked up, you know. And so I I, I I crawled out of that.
0: But how you crawled out of it one cognitive behavioral therapy at a time, or what was it? Well, did you have, oh, so well, moment? I had a
1: no, well I had a substance abuse disorder, right? So okay. uh, I, I went to, you know, a bunch of rehabs, which were terrible, but you know i did pick up some stuff and just kind of somehow intuitively knew that i had to uh start dealing with the way i thought about myself and life and 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 i did that you know um so it wasn't like just out of nowhere you know what i mean did i use things from like going to rehab maybe a few but it wasn't really uh for me, you know, like, you know, back then it was like, you know, go to rehab, go to NA or AA and turn your life over to God. And I'm like, well, I'm not doing that.
0: (laughs) Can I ask you, are you sober now?
1: Yes, I am.
0: Oh, wow.
1: Yes, for sure. Do you
0: think that in general, like, or is it both? Is it like people abuse um, substances from trauma or is it like also genetic?
1: Or both. Um, I, I, I believe it's trauma. Um, I, I do, I think you could have, I mean, you can have the gene for a lot of things, you know? Um, but I, I, I don't think that, you know, people drink or use to the point where like, nobody wants to talk to them anymore. They lose their job. They lose their families because of it. You, you know what I mean? Like something happened, like you just, it's just not it's just gone. about a compulsion to drink, right? right? It's, right. It's, it's way gone more beyond complex. covering up something. But it's not that I don't believe that there's a gene, but I believe that, you know, it's the stuff in life that they you don't know how to deal with that uh, starts compounding on top of you and then you can't get out, you know? It's like, does anyone who picks up a drink think that they're going to be, you know, that person, you know, living on the street, you know? Like, no right? Like nobody thinks that that's where they're going. They think they're having a good time. And I, you know, there's a variety of things that happen that, um, take you there or not, you know, but it's all, does it scare you being a parent? Um, you know, when you're a parent, you're just scared of everything, you know, for your Mm. kids, if you allow it, right. You're scared of Shit happening at school. You're scared of shit. Ha- you know, it's beyond substances. It's just life, right? Like you right. love something so much that you, you can completely like give into the terror of something happening to that being, and it can be many things. It can be a car accident. It can like anything, and you just have to manage that that uh, fear. You know, that irrational fear. It's a so. choice. Yeah. It's a, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, look, you could just be paralyzed with fear about everything, right? If you listen to the stories your head's telling you, right? Right, or or if you have
0: MSNBC on in the background for nine hours a day during the Trump administration, like that could happen to someone. I've heard, I've heard,
1: yeah. (laughs) But you just, it's like, you just have to go back to, what is actually happening right now? Where am I right now? You know, and sort of like, you know take three deep breaths and you know i meditate and all that stuff you know so like just grounding myself in what is actually in front of me because mm-hmm. all that stuff hasn't happened yet and it may never right
0: right you're anticipating the avalanche so it, even if the avalanche comes down on you on you know you're skiing you're gonna die but why not have not enjoyed the moments before, you know, it's like, you're going to die anyway. Enjoy the moment. Don't anticipate dying and then die. Right. It's twice the death It's two deaths. Right. Um, I wanted to ask you about, there's nothing that gets under my skin more than someone who has success at a very early age. It, It taps into all of my insecurities. Um, you had great success at like early your in your early 30s not that what happened before then wasn't but your name was on the map as you know a founder of Steela Cosmetics you had this successful career you sold the brand to Estee Lauder was it all good or was there something about having success like that at a younger age that wasn't as positive as we looking in on it might think it was
1: I mean selling my company was definitely tough um, you know, joining a corporation was very tough on me. Um, but I'm not like crying about it or anything like that. But it was definitely like a whole new thing. I honestly, Quinn, I think if I hadn't had by that time, I had a couple kids already, right? So I, I kind of, you know, I, you know, I was so busy kind of getting thrown up on and caretaking other humans that like I just didn't have that much you know, space to be like, to invested in anything, but that like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like after I sold, sold Stila, all these people would say to me, Oh, your baby's gone. I was like, no, that's not my baby. <laughs> you know, I had, these are my babies. Right. So I think that overall, it, it, you know, uh, like I, I was really worried because I'd seen it, you know, in other companies that like, the people that worked for me were gonna get shafted, you know, you know, are they gonna consolidate, like all those things you fear? And I uh I don't usually talk about this, but basically I gave money from the sale to every person that worked for us. Every person in the warehouse, everybody got a piece. Wow. Um because Do I Do you regret that- it? No. <laughs> I didn't want to be that person, you know, where it's like, well, she made a like a bandit. We all got screwed. Right. How much and did Stila
0: sell for? If you can say.
1: I- I'm not allowed to say, unfortunately. Okay. Cause Bobby
0: told me. <laughs> I had Bobby oh, on did? the show. Oh yeah, she did. And I was like, you know, um, you know, it's re- it was rumored that it sold for this. She's like, no, no, no. It sold for a lot more than that. I was like, you go girl. Um, but, but suffice it to say you became a millionaire overnight. Yeah. And so why and then so for those of us listening who that's like the dream um or a dream you 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 got acquired you became you remained on as the um creative director and you know you had a whole bunch of power over there why should we listen to you say it was hard
1: Um I guess what was hard was like things like I don't mean hard personally, like, you know, it was just like, so like I had started to open my own stores and I had a vision for my brand. And then all of a sudden they're rolling it into stores where I was like, we're not ready for filings and Foley's like, this is not where we should be. And of course that was a disaster. They stopped opening freestanding stores. It was hard to watch, you know, they were making the same. they were recreating the packaging sort of behind my back, you know, out of uh, plastic, um, ah. you know, so there were all, you know, I became like the workaround gal, you know, in a weird way. And, and, and that was really tough. Did um, you fight?
0: Uh,
1: I did. I fought a lot. Um, I didn't realize that, you know, there was just a lot of things like that that were sort of disheartening, but you know, I, I wasn't going to win. I wasn't going
0: to say when you get acquired by a brand they own it now. How much power do you actually have at the end of the day?
1: Uh, Well, they like to, I think, uh, make you believe that you do, but you don't really, you know, because like I said, they're sort of doing things on the side, you know, or making you hire certain people. You're like, no, this person doesn't get it. You know, like it's, And that's fine, but they really belong over here, you know, not with us. And so, you you know, you're kidding yourself if you think you do have the power, because you really don't. I mean, maybe Bobby did.
0: To my knowledge, and I talked about this with Bobby, she's the only person I know who actually, like, she stayed at the company for like 25 years. I know. I don't know anyone else who survived, um, you know, a corporate buyout.
1: No, like the the Franks left, you know, and and I think that that's the lesson, you know. If you sell, it's over for you. Your vision, you you got to really be clear on that. That you're kind of and, and not. A, I think Wendy had a good experience when she sold Urban Decay. It's not true for everybody, but you have to be prepared for that. I guess is what I'm saying.
0: Do you wish you just sold and said, "Great, take it from here," and I'm out?
1: Um, do I wish that? No, because it wasn't like I had a bad time. I was still making colors and I was developing stuff. I mean, you know, I still had a good time in a lot of other areas. I mean, I would say it was like, I think it's really the last couple of years where it was ex- where it was just like, Oh, what am I doing?
0: <laughs> yeah. How it's do you deal long- with bottom lines on it? On that level of like, you know, you're, you're in a, you're worldwide now. You're, they, they took your company global And then you have to look at reports or hear people tell you about, you know, sales and this and that, or is that something that you are good at?
1: Um, it's kind of something I prefer to ignore, like, tell me if there's a problem and what you need my help with to fix it, but you can tell me all that stuff and I can understand it, but my time is better served elsewhere. I find, Mm -hmm. you know, um, because, you know, let me save my energy for the creative bits kind of thing. And, and uh, you know, so uh, it, it's it's tough. You need to know about those things. I mean, that's the beauty of like starting your own com- Like if you start your own company and, you know, people say, oh, God, and I have to do the fulfilling and I got to do this. And I'm like, no, it's good because you'll understand it. You know, when people take over, you can keep an eye like you'll understand. Oh, wow you know, this market doesn't like this from us. So let me make more of this for them. You know, like you have to understand your numbers and your shipments and what's working and where you and go. And that on. hasn't
0: changed from the 90s when you started Steela to today when you're starting another brand.
1: No, I don't think it's changed. Um, I mean, today it's so, I, I I mean, you know, back then it's like, where did you sell? You, sell, you sold in small shops or big stores. Like Sephora, whatever, we had Barney's back then, whatever. Um, and you had to have a full line and you had to make four new, like seasonal colors. You had to do like Valentine's Day. You had to do this. Like th- they were always like screaming for newness, you know? So you're constantly cranking all this stuff. And today, because of like the whole social media DTC, you know, direct to consumer uh, models, you can have like a brand with like three items. It's kind of amazing. Because you're not paying
0: for retail space.
1: You're not paying for retail space and you don't have to anniversary your numbers to keep your good space and you don't have to constantly feed new shit down the pike. You're making stuff that like you're like, uh, I don't really want to make that, you know, but they need something new, right? Um, Um, So I, I think that the whole the marketplace is much more crowded now, but it's also much more liberated
0: is it more honest because I'm going to, I'm going to ask you this because I've been to the labs before to work on things and whatever. Um, At the end of the day, there are so many more brands, but I don't think that there has been new, anything new for so long. It's like everybody's at the same five labs making the same things, repackaging it, maybe remarketing it. But if you talk about an industry that went from, you know, let's say 20 brands to 15, 1500 or even more, it's not justified, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's a tricky one because, you know, I feel like, oh God, do we need more stuff? But at the same time, why shouldn't somebody who dreams of making something be allowed to make it? And who am I to decide that they can or cannot, right? right so it's, it's it's kind of a tough one uh you know it's like a very mood dependent sort of answer um for i i can only you know i, I always like to say i don't want to make a cause uh for why i'm doing something by saying that somebody else is doing something wrong right i just want to do what i'm doing because i believe in it right so like i go to like one of my labs that I go to regularly and you know, I go in there and I grab like seven pigments off the shelf and I mix a color and then they take it and they press it. And then I'm like, okay, it needs more green. And then I remake it. You know, I was there last week and you know, he held up, he's like, you're the only person that does this to And he holds up like a Dior bronzer or whatever. He's like, this is what they all do. They send me products from other lines and then they ask me to match it.
0: Right. So and, uh, so if you made a, an, an amazing color and that becomes a benchmark in the industry, I can literally go into that lab and say, I want Janine's color and put it in this package.
1: Well, he'll tell you, uh, I can't make you the exact color if it's his existing client, right? So
0: uh-huh.
1: I, that already happened. I made an eyeshadow called Kitten.
0: Oh, right? yeah. I that, think I've heard of it.
1: <laughs> that Everybody and Iconic. their mother- yeah, and they all tried to copy it. And he's like, uh, he won't he won't make the same for anybody else, you know, mm-hmm. uh, because he's an ethical guy, right? Uh, it doesn't mean you can't take it to another lab, but it's not the same formula, you know? And the way I make colors is a little different than everybody else, uh, which is probably why, you know, our eyeshadows blew up so hard, you know? And that was just an accident, you know? Uh, like, like, so just to kind of explain, like, so basically if you had a blue shimmer eyeshadow, right, they would use matte blue and one blue shimmer to make the, the shimmer, right? Mm-hmm. I, I went in uh, and I d- would take like matte blue and I would take silver and a little lavender and a little icy blue and a little darker blue shimmer and mix it all up, which is why they were so dimensional. And people... They didn't really do that before, you know. And I didn't know. I just was like, no, this looks better."
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you, you were just being an artist,
1: exactly. And so, I, I, you know, like I, I, I guess said, what
0: I'm getting at is, yeah, because you're an artist. I'm having this conversation with you, but there are so many brands out there that lead from marketing,
1: hundred percent, right?
0: like most of them. And you, you go, well, this is just. I've seen all of this before. It might be slightly different, but this is a marketing exercise that doesn't excite me. If an artist makes something, I'm like, really like, wow, I wonder how they use this and how, what thought process went into it. And wow, the way that these pigments shift in light and everything, but seeing somebody be celebrated because they had um, investors and come out with a, with a marketing scheme to this group, you know, how is that benefiting the industry? Well, I'm, so a, <laughs> I'm so bitter. I'm so bitter.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I guess I just like I said, I like to give people more leeway, you know, if that's right. what they believe in and have at it. And 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 the marketing piece, you know, maybe you know, it resonates for certain people and, and, and they like the people that they're working with and the faces and the messaging and the names of the colors and that's fine too. You know, like I said, I I really can't, you know, I I sort of like to celebrate everybody, you know, Mm -hmm. like, like when Bobby came out with Jones road, I was like, fucking a man, go Bobby. You know, like I was excited for her, you know, Uh, one of my uh, closest friends has a makeup line too, that I fucking love, you know, like I I just, which one is it? Uh, Lovecraft beauty. Oh Oh. yeah. That's my favorite product too, by the way. If you wanted to add my favorite eyeliner eyeliners. Uh. Oh, we're,
0: okay, let's do that. Okay, wait. Tried and true and something new. This, okay. We need to insert some music there for that segment in the show. <laughs> okay, so I just got back from three weeks in L.A. for the Oscars and other projects. The first thing I like to do after I land in L.A. is go to one of those infrared spas. You sweat in a cabin and leave feeling like a new person. So I was super excited when I received higher dose infrared products. A lot of my clients have infrared saunas in their house, but with higher dose, I get all of the benefits of sweating, burning calories, glowing skin, and better sleep all in the comfort of my home. It's like having your own infrared sauna. What I do is lie in the portable infrared sauna blanket, turn up the heat and sweat everything out. It's great after a night out or a flight, or before a big event to increase blood circulation, aka radiant and youthful skin, and de-bloat. I also sleep so well after using it. They recently came out with a red light face mask that stimulates collagen, activates glowing skin, reduces fine lines, and rejuvenates cells. It's great because it's quick and gentle, so it can be used before a big event. Get your own Asana blanket, mat and red light face mask today at higherdose.com. You can use promo code QUINN15 at checkout to receive 15% off. That's higherdose.com, promo code QUINN15. Or the easiest way to view all of the products in one place is on shopmyshelf.us/quinnmurphy and don't forget to use the code quin15 to save your 15% discount. Um, what is something tried and true that a product that you love that you swear by?
1: You know, I I've been doing like people's foundation the same way for 20 plus years now and it has not changed. I'll try new stuff and I there's a couple new ones that I like, but I love the Laura Mercier tinted foundation.
0: Tinted moisturizer or tinted I'm foundation? I'm sorry, tinted.
1: Yeah, tinted moisturizer. Okay, I love that. Um, still use it. You know, I do La Mer, I do hers, and then I put like this kind of crazy concealer from Cinema Secrets on where I need it, and you know, and, and here my my little sweet is rearing her ugly little head, saying no. But like,
0: <laughs> wait. So you, know, you use Lamer moisturizer, then you use yeah. the the tinted moisturizer on top of it.
1: Yeah, because the Lamer is nice and sticky, so it kind of goes. You know, it just grabs it perfectly, and then wherever I'm still seeing stuff that I don't want to see, I go in with this uh, Cinema Secrets Foundation slash concealer. And you know, like people hire me because of the way I do skin, right? So it's working, and I've worked for twenty years, so. You know, because I do that, like, you can't tell that they're wearing makeup, pretty skin thing. And and, and that's how I get there. Uh, awesome. That's my tried and true. Haven't surrendered it in 20 years. And then I am obsessed with friend cells. Uh, she, she made this liquid liner called golf line. It's like the perfect liquid liner pen.
0: And it's one of those like felty feeling pens. Yeah,
1: it's so good. She uh-uh, actually see,
0: told uh-uh. me she was going to send it to me and I I, was I say, need uh, to go circle gonna, back with her.
1: Yeah, I'm going to tell her right now.
0: Well, she does such beautiful eyeliner work on her Instagram. Uh, people don't know. It's like, you know, she insane. does all of this far out there, super cool eyeliner that it doesn't surprise me that she would have amazing no, eyeliner. Her
1: products are amazing. Um, and I I kind of, you know, yeah, I, I, I love her product. She's doing an amazing job. So basically to go back, you know, I just like to sort of, you know, I kind of err on being, I just tend to be excited for people. Like, you know, I'll see things, I can't even think of what now. And I think, oh, that's going to be tough, you know, because like you said, it feels like something I've seen or whatever. But, you know, I I try to look, I'm a bit of a Pollyanna, you know, like I try to look at it as like, well, hey, if this little nugget in Toronto can do this, Hey, Quinn, so can you? You know, I try to look at inspiration. I'm competitive. You know, I, I realized this about myself uh, actually this year, which is I don't need to be smarter than other people. I just need to be smarter than a problem. So I'm really competitive. I'm like a real problem solver kind of person. I prefer to outsmart a situation or a system, I don't need to outsmart another human. We're just all being human over here. So no, I'm not very competitive. I am wow. with myself, but not with other people. I, I can allow people their in my mind, not that they need my permission, you know, their journey, their successes, whatever. It's it's all good.
0: You're not a hater.
1: I'm not a hater. I'm really not a hater.
0: I think for me the the one of the things what I'm working you? on. I am competitive and part of that is what makes me get up and try harder and be a a good at my job and be a hard worker. The bad side of that is that it can also be crippling. And, you know, I remember being on the swim team in elementary school and thinking, Oh, I'm not the fastest swimmer and I'm not going to make it to the Olympics and literally stopping. So in that way it's crippling and not helpful. And I think just in the last, I don't know, like, couple of months, I had this thought about, for me, my maturity is realizing that I I only need to try to be better for myself. And it sounds so cliche and everybody says it, but I'm telling you in my everyday life, that's not the way. It's not like I'm thinking about specific people that I'm like, oh, you have this and I want that. It's not directly being a hater about people. It's more like me having these dreams of where I want to get. So, invalidating everything that I am doing that's good. Right. So, really trying to go from a place that's like, I don't need to be the best. I need to try to do my best.
1: Yeah. Well, it's like saying, "Oh, gee, I wish I could swim thirty seconds faster." Versus, "Oh, gee, I wish I could swim faster than Steve." You know what I mean? Like, exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah, can, yeah I totally because get I that. think
0: also that like it doesn't value. If I'm competing with other people, it's very generic and it's very like industry driven and thinking about, um, you know, uh, it it kind of has a a value system or a numeric, like this is the best, this is the next best. And it doesn't honor the nuances of who I am as a person, that this is my aesthetic. If I don't get all the jobs that so-and-so is getting, it's fine. But it doesn't mean that what I'm doing isn't great. And is isn't, isn't really personal that it's me? And this is, it has a value beyond public opinion.
1: You know, I'll tell you what I tell my kids, which my, my little Gen Z pack, you know, when they're like doing shit like that to themselves, I, I say, put your hand on your heart because actually when you physically touch yourself, your body doesn't know that it's not your hand. So it's like a soothing thing, you know, just put your hand over your chest oh. and take three deep breaths. And say, no, that's not true. When you're telling yourself something negative, no, that's not true. And then say the positive thing. And I you will rewire that. your neural, You know, you got to rewire your brain that's sending you these bullshit messages all fucking day long, you know?
0: Okay, I'm speaking make you of Gen that. Z.
1: Yeah.
0: Kim Kardashian <laughs> recently got a lot of shit for saying um, that people were get lazy, get off your ass, and get work, off your or ass something and work. like that. You have Gen Z kids, you employ people. What do you think of that? Are they entitled and lazy or is that like, you know?
1: I don't think that at all. Like my, I I don't think that at all. I think that again, social media has sort of kind of fucked us up a little. They say something like 90 something percent of Gen Z want to be influencers, right? But we've always had that. Like we've always had a culture of looking outside ourselves looking at somebody else, like you're saying, and being like, I want to be them, you know? So um, I think that that's a little bit difficult, but that has not been my experience. You know, I I, I love Gen Zs. You know, my kids work their asses off at whatever they do. Um, They work really hard. I mean, I have one kid who runs a, uh, she's going to grad school and she runs uh, an organization in LA called Feed the Streets. And they go out and provide food and services to the unhoused every several times a week. Uh, like she blows my mind. You know, I have one going to art school in Brooklyn. Uh, I have one writing and he works with me and does social media stuff. And he edits fashion films and the acts. And I have one going to college and she also um, uh, interns for this incredible uh, female founded company. I have one who's uh, at like the most prestigious program for uh, kids who want to be uh, public defenders. She's a lawyer, you know, like, wow. yeah, they're all doing cool shit. Right. And, and so I, I know people like to make like these kind of weird blanket statements about groups of people and sort of toss them under that bus. But I think it varies. I mean, you can have fucking lazy 50 year olds, you know, and, and, and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You know and the idea that like you know that's sort of part of the bullshit that we're fed to like that the american dream is like you know it's like they take that one kid that one inner city kid that one guy or girl that made it to harvard right on a full scholarship and they turn that into an example to say that all the rest of that group are lazy right well right he made it to harvard you know and it's like it's just really unnecessary you know everybody has their own story and i think people do work really hard and you know i i, I just I, I don't believe that at all i think yes of course there are people who you know expect it to but i i be handed to them but that's part of how you want to raise your kids right like Absolutely. i, I watched this chris and why would you that's... want your
0: kids to go to harvard necessarily anyway it's not right for everyone
1: Right. But it's just like that one example of somebody who crawled out of nothing. And then that's like the American dream. It means we're all supposed to be able to do that. Right. And it's not necessarily true. It's like, you know, a harmonic convergence of particular circumstances that allowed that one person to do that. Right. Um, And I think a lot of parents, you know, like the pendulum swung with parenting where people were like, go out in the street and play, try not to get hit by a car to like, honey, you're special. Like always telling your goddamn kids how special they are, you know? And that doesn't serve them either because then they go into the world and guess what? They're just another person, which is completely okay, right?
0: You're absolutely right. Like you don't have to be, fall into the overachievement um, trap.
1: Yeah, and they're so disappointed because nobody thinks they're that fucking special except their parents, right? So then you sort of set them up for another kind of failure, you know? And you know, for me, it's just like just just be a person that you feel good about. That's it. That's all you got to do.
0: What advice do you have for younger creatives or older who um, want to get into business or have? Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, there's, you know, listen. I'm actually mentor quite a few people in this way because I, I believe in uh, giving back. You know, um, so I think. You know, find a mentor uh, if you can find one. I think that's super helpful. I know I've helped people and, and it, it means a lot. Um, and, and you know, do your homework, you know. You know, I always, it, this is such a, again, my little sweet here raises her head. But last year I spoke at, uh, at Harvard. I mean, I had to do it on Zoom because of the COVID to uh, kids studying business and i'm like talking about imposter syndrome right like what the fuck am i doing here
0: right. and
1: um and it was all about this it was all about how to start a business and and i said you know <clears throat> listen you gotta there's a few things you gotta teach yourself trademarks llc's you know get all your like kind of gone rocket lawyer you know set this you know set your shit up and, and the hardest part about starting a business is feeling like you're actually starting a business, you know, like make a mood board, like constant, go on Pinterest, go everywhere, like print out pictures, put them up. Oh, I like these fonts. I like this. So you're constantly feeling like you're in the process of something happening. You know, find your smart friend who understands money and, and figure out how much money, you know, you're going to need for the first nine months you know um don't do everything at once focus you know I and mean, there's so many steps to starting but i i think that like if you want to do something do it and 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 be a good you know don't be overly invest. i mean believe in your idea but be good at be a team player have a team you know listen to input you know there's a, there's a lot to learn always i mean i'm still learning
0: did you like being a boss
1: um, you know, I never thought of myself as a boss, you know, I guess, cause I grew up in a socialist country, I'm like mm. a commune kind of person. Um, so, uh, I definitely had some interest. The most interesting story I can relay about being a boss is I had an assistant at Stila who I'm still friends with. And she came to me one day and she said, Janine, you never tell, you don't tell people enough when they've done something good. I was like, what? What are you talking about? And she's like, you don't. And I really had to, I sat down with that and I realized I don't. And the reason I don't is because I am very capable of looking at my own work or whatever and saying, well, you really fucked that one up or saying like, that was really good. You nailed that, right? Like I'm very honest with myself. And so I didn't realize that other people Need that from you if you're a leader. You, you, They need you to tell them that they did a good job. And just because I was so good at doing that for myself, I didn't realize that other people needed that from me. So
0: okay, but the, the other side of that coin is telling them that it's not a good job.
1: Yeah, like I was never. I mean, right? Would you do was, that?
0: Did you do yeah, that? that? Yeah, because that was
1: easy for me because it wasn't painful for me to tell myself that I wasn't doing a good job. I would just do better, right? I could Mm -hmm. handle self-criticism and I didn't realize when I was like, yeah, no, that's not it. Like that, that was really painful for somebody.
0: How do you deal with somebody who, um, you just don't like and, or is writing you and or is just like you have to work with them, but you don't see anything positive about it. What is your particular tactic with people like that?
1: Um, you know, I, I take (laughs) sort of, odd pleasure in overcoming contentious situations, right? So like when you got that like nasty flight attendant, I'm like, I'm going to make her like me by the end of this flight. <laughs> you know, like i mm-hmm. demented kind of, I take pleasure in that. So I just try to look at things as opportunities for me to figure out how to interact with somebody. But what
0: difficult. if you had a, a boss who you have to report to every day and they make your life, Purposefully well, I, miserable. Yeah,
1: I guess that's why I, I chose this career, you know, because I was not capable of that. You know, I, I just, I mean, I, one of my first jobs, I did a, a film and I was the assistant, like I was like 20 something years old. And the girl I assisted was really horrible to me. I got to tell you. And I would go in that fucking bathroom in that trailer and, bawl my eyes out, right?
0: Aww. And then I
1: just decided, like, no, I'm going to figure out how to deal with this. Like, I'm going to learn how to do this. And and I did. Um, and I got through it, and I had a great time. And, you know, and I also could see it from her perspective. Like, why why does she need to do this to me? And I, I you know, once, you know, and that made me soften a bit towards her.
0: So you, you have, empathy. it helps you to be empathetic. 100%.
1: And, and really dig into like, why does she need to do this? You know, and, and, but ultimately I chose a career where like people couldn't really tell me what to do. And like, even with makeup jobs, right? If you go work with somebody and their team is like, ick, right. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I'm very lucky in that I did make money. I'm not dependent on artistry. So if somebody's icky, I, I, I just spend the day saying to myself, I'm ne- I don't ever fucking have to see you again.
0: Do you ever say "fuck off"?
1: Uh, no, no, I don't. I just yeah. like again. I take pleasure in like keeping my cool, right? Like you can't get me. <laughs> you know, right. like you have no power. But you're also over
0: very. Me. You have a, a this dichotomy of also being quite honest and blunt, which I find refreshing. When I was a kid in elementary school, I had a really hard time because I was out there and I, I, I would say whatever I thought and I was emotional and I was um, pugnacious. And it really, I remember being like, you know, right around junior high, realizing that I can't say and do whatever's on my mind because it's going to have a lasting consequence. So that part is still in me where it's like, you can't go off on somebody. You can't do that because you're going to be the one picking up the pieces. It's not going to, you can't get through life doing what your instincts tell you to do. So how did you get to a point where you're so honest or can you be that honest in, in business?
1: You know, I guess it's like, well, let me ask you first. Have you ever told anyone to fuck off at work?
0: Oh my God. At work? Um, No, not at work because I understand that I could tell someone to fuck off, but they have a publicist who represents 20 other clients right, and then right. it'll get around that I did that. So what I will do is remove myself from a situation, go in the bathroom and be like, you, you got to, pull this together. I'll right. tell myself things like you said, I'm never, ever going to see you again. Um, right. And I also avoid people that I know um, are not good and that yeah. if they pull a stunt on me. I know I'm not going to be able to handle it. So I don't work with people that I think are going to abuse me. Right. But I had right. to learn that. I'm saying that was a lesson. Thank God I learned when I was younger because it was hard yeah. for me but, but, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. So no, I, I I can see the, I can play to the end of the tape that Quinn, if you do that, it's going to hurt you more than them.
1: Right. Which is mature. It's called maturity. Right. And life experience, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I I think I, obviously I have a lot of that. So I, yeah, I, I just don't, you know, it's just not, they're not worth it to me. You know, I'm not going to get dysregulated over your shit right now. Like you just, you know what I mean? Like I just, yeah, and, and people also know, like, as I say, if you don't want to know the truth, don't ask me, you know, and, and don't ask me cause I will tell you, you know, and um, cause you asked me, but I also know when to keep my mouth shut, you know? And, and, you know, I see like over the years in our business, I, I, I see a lot of people playing a lot of games, you know, and I watch them and I think, huh, oh, that was clever, but not very nice. You know, like, I mean, haven't you ever been on a set where, like, you know, the hair person is trying to torpedo somebody else to make themselves kind of rise as the expert? Like, do you, do you think the, the nails are okay? Uh, I don't know if that outfit isn't really modern, you know? Uh, and, sh- and And you're watching and it's a total manipulation because that's how they it's like a deflection, right? So no one's going to come for them because they threw down first. And I've seen these things over the years and I'm like, really? Did you, you know, like, I know what you're doing. Like, did you need to do that? You know, so I just, you know, because I'm so detached from, you know, I, I see a lot of artists kind of get their self-esteem from the names that they work with. And I think that that's a dangerous formula. Self esteem. Right. You know, because you get dumped. We all get dumped. And it's or COVID
0: and you don't work for two years and it's like who who if my self esteem is wrapped up in my clients and I don't have them now, who am I?
1: Yeah, exactly. And it which is very different from being having self esteem because you're talented, because you're artistry. That's that's an okay place, right? But it's like do not identify yourself by the people you work with, you know, cause it's, it's, it's a dangerous game, you know, and it's Janine, not.
0: Do you have something that you keep, get, that you work on? Like what is your Achilles heel then? Like some people it's constantly learning to let go or other people, it might be, you know, something else. Is there something that keeps coming up for you in life that until you actually tackle it, 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 it follows you around.
1: Um, Hmm. That's a really tough question for me because I am very, very Zen. You know, I've worked, I've worked very hard to, you know, CBT, DBT, Buddhism, mindfulness, CBD, all that shit. See, if only. THC, but, um, yeah. ABC. No, um, I think for me, it's like, there's always, there's always somebody for me to take care of. Um, my, my biggest problem is like, I neglect myself because I'm so busy, you know, taking care of my kids' needs, running my company, you know, all these things. And and so my, which is a really kind of high class living problem, isn't it? Uh, Considering the problems we could have. Um, so for me, it's really important just to be still, Mm -hmm. you know, just to be still, like I don't have, you know, I don't have to do all the time. You know, I don't have to take care of everybody all the time, you know? Um, so What's that, the
0: cost of not doing that?
1: Um, the cost of not doing that is I get like run down. I don't eat properly. I, you know, I get distracted, you know, uh, I, I lose, I, I lose that sense of like beauty of the actual moment that's happening because my brain is always going to what I should be doing. And that this moment is actually, you know, I, I can't say that for all the humans in the world today, but my moment right now is kinda perfect. It's peaceful and it's perfect. Wow. <laughs> you didn't know you were getting like all this shit. Yeah. When you
0: no, I love called
1: it. Me. No, Wait, I wanna true. know,
0: speaking of the world today, let's transition into you're starting a company this week or last week during a global pandemic inflation and you know maybe tiptoeing towards world war three yeah (laughs) what yeah why are you what what made you want to come out with a new company now and are you dealing with all three of those um dilemmas to say the least
1: so we were supposed to launch two weeks ago and it was the second day of the ukraine invasion i believe and i had been, had been chewing on me all weekend and i i i my team we all work in my kitchen uh came in and i was like i need to postpone like i i just can't celebrate or be excited right now it just feels weird like it's just too far apart so we postponed indefinitely and then we just realized this is going to just the shit's just going to go on and on and you know, not that I feel better about the war. I, I'm just a little less shocked right now than I was. And we just need to kind of get on with it. You know, like people still need to go to work. People still need to, you know, show up, right? So again, you know, I can only focus on what I want to do and what I'm doing. Uh, obviously, I, you know, I, I've made my contributions to efforts in the Ukraine and whatnot, but, um, I just got to get on with it. And And what what about,
0: um, inflation or is that something that's, or the supply chain is that, are those two things that are affecting you?
1: No, because I'm making almost like 98% of everything is made in the USA. Um, okay. So so is that
0: in the USA, if it's made in the USA, then, then the supply chain is not an issue.
1: Um, it's definitely still an issue, but so like when I go to the lab, like I described to you and I pull those five pigments and I make a color and he says, and he matches it, you know, or he presses it and I'm like, okay, it's perfect. Then I make him call his warehouse and make sure they have those pigments in stock. And he's like, we don't have the blue cyan, whatever. And I'm like, okay, what have you got? That's like it. And then I'll remake it with the color he has in stock. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm trying to stay ahead of it, you know, for my card, you know, we're pre-ordering the paper. Uh, You know, I made this compact uh, for our brand that's made out of silicone, which has never been done before. So like I made him back in the fall order, like the five barrels we would need to make it right now. So I, I'm very proactive. I guess that's good business advice for anyone who's starting a business. Like really dig into where your stuff is coming from. pre order it if you can. What are your alternatives? And, 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 you know, I mean, my packaging guy will call me and be like, oh God, I just got screamed at for 20 minutes, you know, because supply chain issues that he has, right, for other brands. And I'm like, dude, I'm sorry. And it's like, what is screaming at somebody do for you? Like it doesn't get you your shit any faster. You have to own it and you have to like somebody sends you a package or something. You're like, great. I love this. How long does it take to make? What are the potential uh, sticking points or one of the pain points or whatever and really dig into it yourself and take ownership of it because it is what it is. Right.
0: So yelling at someone is only useful if it's going to get you a result you want. Like he can't speed up the supply chain.
1: Right hundred percent. So like,
0: and then you're going to like alienate someone who could actually be like your friend and help you out when you need it.
1: Yeah. I always I just say like, yeah, smart move being mean to the flight attendants on the plane. We're going to help get you off if there's an emergency. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what is the point? Nobody needs that, you know? So I, I think we're in pretty good shape on that front. And I'm also like, I mean, that's the beauty of like brands and social media today. You know, you can put up a post, say, hey, guys, sorry, uh, our, our mascara, we can't get whatever material you're using for six months. So if you ordered mascara, please be patient or we're happy to refund you, right? Like communication, you know, like communicate with your suppliers and your customers, you know, and just keep it honest.
0: When you already did this before with enormous success that would almost, not to say you can't, but would be hard to replicate, why would you want to do this again?
1: Well, that is a question I ask myself. Um, You know, (laughs) no, but seriously, like for years, you know, after I sold, like, you know, little kind of niggly comments would come back to me, you know, people saying things like, I mean, why does she still have to take all the jobs? Like she made all that money, right? And shit like that. And it's like, okay, because I like to work, right? I like to create. And and that's true today too. It's like, I'm not like, you know, ready to sit down, you know, eat bonbons and watch Oprah. Like my brain is super, super hyperactive. I love ideas. I love to create. I love to create a space for other people to come into to to work in and to achieve in and, 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 to nurture their talent as well. It's just part of who I am. And I, I'm just passionate about what I'm doing. I'm passionate about the community I'm trying to create. I'm passionate about trying to, you know, everything we make, uh, we're only, you know, I mean, yes, our tube has a plastic cap. There's no way around that right now, but we're looking for a metal cap, uh, we haven't made our mascara yet because we, we can't get a hold of any ocean plastic. Uh, I didn't want to make a plastic compact because it's not recyclable. So I developed one out of silicone, which you can like literally throw in the dishwasher and refill without getting beat up like plastic it has no metal in it. Well, those are
0: amazing reasons to do a company because you can lead yeah. by example and say, hey, this is possible.
1: It is possible. And and, and yes, our cost of goods, because everything's made here, is higher but that's okay like you know we'll work with that like and and also like you know i always tell people like here i am in consumer goods right telling people not to consume so much you know buy refills buy less try the product before you go buy a full size make sure it's for you i mean these are all goals of ours you know so uh, it's important you know it's important you know I, my hope for anybody starting something is that they try to put a dent in things that and make them better, you know. Whether it's like uh, dead stock fabrics or whatever they're into, like it, it, it's so what we need to be doing right now. And I know that I'm actually kind of good at that, so I'm gonna do it.
0: I love that, Janine. If you could go back in time and meet yourself anywhere, where would it be, and what would you say?
1: Wow. Um, I don't even know if I can answer that. What would I say to, I I think I would tell my 16 year old self, hang in there. It's going to be okay. Mm. Because, you know, back then it was just dark, you know, it was dark. Um, And I didn't know that I could, you know, crawl out of all of it, you know, and I, and I did, I did, you know, So, yeah, that's the best I got on that one.
0: That's a great answer. I mean, it's so hard for kids, you know. I have Uh, nephews and nieces, and I just really think it's – and your own memories. It's like it's really hard, and I think that um, we have to have more messages of, like, even if you don't take AP classes, even if you don't go to Harvard, like you said, your worth doesn't change. It's okay,
1: it's you can totally stop okay. doing
0: all of it now. It All that matters is that, you know, you're healthy, happy, and, you know, being kind, a kind yeah, person. And,
1: and, and also, like, I, I you know, I really, it's like we're always, we're taught to always change how we feel, right? So it's like we're taught to, like, um, oh, I felt shitty, so I bought myself a little something, right? It's always about getting happy getting happy, getting happy, and we're always like clinging and and, and and trying to be somewhere where we're not, right? And not just mm-hmm. being okay with where we are. And sometimes it, it's okay to be anxious. It's okay to be depressed. You know, you just have to like make friends with it and, and move with it. And then it, it will lift, you know? I mean, sometimes you need a little more help than that, but you know what I mean? Like we're always yeah. seeking all this shit that we just don't need. You know. Well,
0: also the, the the intolerance of things makes them stronger. If you say, I'm not allowed to feel sad, I'm not allowed to feel depressed today or whatever. Good luck just, getting rid of it. Yeah. It's like that Buddhist thing, make friends with it so that it's there. Yeah. But you know, 100%. you can bring it along on your journey, but the refusal makes it even even more painful. Um, more painful. Oh yeah, it's like someone saying to you, don't think about the color brown. The first thing you you can't help it. Yeah. You can't force something out of your mind um let's play a game okay okay chocolate or pastries chocolate la or new york new york target or costco target soho or bergdorf's soho france or italy france favorite chill restaurant Favorite special occasion restaurant?
1: When did we have a special occasion? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I'm like, I don't even know. Um, Shit, I haven't had a special occasion since Per Se was open. Um, God. I mean, I like La Granouille because it's just so bougie Upper East Side, Mm -hmm. you know, guys in tuxes.
0: Classic. Um, if you had to do the following tour, what would you choose? Clean the bathrooms or dust, vacuum, and mop?
1: Clean the bathrooms. Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Cook or do the dishes?
1: Do the dishes.
0: Um, You have to go somewhere for, you know, on a flight. Do you take a direct nonstop flight in a middle seat or a connection layover in Cincinnati in a bad first class? Direct. Wow. Um, And what's the best advice you ever received?
1: Okay, this is the best advice I ever received. It's long, though. Uh, So when I was 18, I lived here for a while, and I got fired from – I worked at a boutique in Soho. I got fired because I was too busy partying to go to work, I guess. And my dad was visiting me, and we were walking down the street. I was like, "Dude, I got fired, you know. And he goes, honey – see that guy over there with a hot dog stand? There's nobody standing over him saying, you know, use this much relish for maximum savings. Spread the mustard like this for maximum productivity. He said, sweetheart, you need your own hot dog stand. Hmm. Meaning, you know, for all his flaws, he did see that I was never really going to be able to function in a you know, working for somebody in like a daily job. And, and right. that gave me the permission to say, all right, I'll do something different.
0: I think you should put a hot dog wiener on the bottom of all your packaging, like a little <laughs> tiny one. Like a know? vegan one. <laughs> right. Yeah. Just to remind yourself where you came from and what, you know, where you're going. 100%. Um, Janine, I... I knew when I called you and was like, you know what? My headphones, I didn't charge them overnight, da, da, da. And you were like, don't worry. I'm here till two. I was like, oh, this is going to be a great interview. I could just tell I had this intuition. I was, was like, she's super cool. Um, I could talk to you forever. I, I say this to so many people, but it's like, God, I don't have that many friends. To be honest with you, I'm a bit incredulous about it, but yeah. I can't imagine why people aren't going out of their way to want to be my friend, but- <laughs> Every you know, I, I met you and meeting you and I'm like, God, I wanna come over and be in your kitchen watching you like work and go well, to the lab with you anytime. and all that. You're Thank welcome you. It was so nice to you, have you on.
1: And Quinn, honestly, if you are ever trying to start something, I I am I'm, I'm here for it. I'll help you with okay. anything you need. I, I, I I'm very loose with all that. I'm always like, sure, call this guy. He's great. He'll do a small batch, you know. So anything I can any ever do for you, please. Uh like I said, I, I've created a big life with a lot of space and ability to show up, you know? So I, I you. appreciate you. This was super fun.
0: Super fun. Okay. Take care. You too. Bye bye. Bye Queen. That's why you have to do piece by piece and have the editor who's fucking lazy put it together. Nobody gets through this much text in one try.
1: Okay, all right.